Okay. Dude's gonna play some guitar. This is Chris. This is Colleen. And we're here with a uh, probably the biggest show that we've ever done uh, for the Life Fix podcast here. You know, this is, uh, you know, might be bigger than, you know, any other show we've done. I, I, you know, this is, this is about you too, in case you're wondering. And one of the biggest bands of this century. Uh, yeah, of, of the century. I mean, you two, uh, you know, in preparation for the show, I just had to be c- completely honest and come clean with everybody here that I have never seen you two before. And, uh, but the more I have gotten to talk with fans and listen to the band, watch movies about them and learn about them, uh, it's not necessarily because I haven't, you know, don't want to go see them. It's just logistically sometimes it hasn't, hasn't worked out. But thank you. You know, thank God for the uh, for the inter- for the internet, for the interwebs, and uh, you know, movies and all that kinds of stuff, because you can really learn about a band. and And the more I've learned about U two and this amazing record breaking, world renowned three sixty tour that just wrapped up earlier this summer, the more I learn about it, it's uh, it, it's it's bigger than epic. And uh, that's what we're going to get into today. The uh, the little piece that you heard. Uh, bringing us in here was um, a very special moment uh, on, you know, during the tour. Uh, there was a, a blind uh, U2 fan was brought up on stage uh, in Tennessee uh, during the, uh, you know, the stop in, tour stop in Tennessee to, uh, to sing a song and play the guitar. Uh, he brought him up on stage, gave him the guitar, and allowed him, you know, let him uh, play one of his favorite U2 songs as uh, Bono sang along. So, you know, it's it's what an amazing experience. I mean, I, you wake I, up one morning and you know you're average Joe, and the next day you're up on stage with you too. Yeah, who, and who, and a lot of it yeah. was amazing because all the news um, stations picked that story up, and um, he was on a lot of like major talk shows discussing it and talking about it, and it's I mean definitely was a once in a lifetime fan experience. Yeah, I mean that's and that's really what we're going to do today. We have uh, a show packed with uh, U2 tour facts because there's no really way to understate or you know to to overstate this you know this tour. Um, you know it's uh, you know something to look at and go oh you know U2 gets talked a lot about, but you know we we read. I've just been amazed. You know we've written uh, a bunch of posts before about. Uh, U2, uh, great fan stories, uh, you know, the, the grandeur of U2, a 3D, 
U2 uh, movie we've explored before, all, just all types of things. So we have uh, a, a great show. We actually talked with and uh, interviewed a... Um, the engineer. One of the engineers actually from... The, that produced the the claw. Yeah, helped. Yeah, helped uh, helped design the the claw that um, made this tour so unique. So uh, we're gonna share that interview with you guys, and we're going to get into a whole bunch of facts. So let's, you know, oh, oh what else? We're gonna talk about the new YouTube documentary that just came out about Octon Baby. So so YouTube has had like an amazing year. They, I mean, they always have. They always good have years, an amazing but, year. That's what's. But this year, I mean, there's, you know, there, just there sounds unique... like there's a turning point. There's been a lot that has happened for the band, and yeah. a lot that the band has gone through. And yeah, Bono, he, you know, he he had that back surgery. They actually had to stop the 360 tour halfway through, you know, and pick it back up and and finish it through. So so they are resilient. I mean, they're they're not you know they're not young anymore. You know, they they've tacked on years, and but they keep going. They keep being. You know, Bono has big. been very much an activist too for many like organizations and mm-hmm. very he's also had some political ties. So he's not only invested in in music, but he's also jumping into other sectors the older he's getting. And and maybe he's he was always, I mean, yeah. obviously he wrote about right, right. you know Bloody Sunday is, you know, a war reference, you know. Yeah, well, it's interesting you mentioned that because you know, there's some, I guess, you know, there might be some cross-pollination going on here because when you mention, you know, the political ties and things like that, with as many fans as U2 has, you have to think, well, who are those fans? What's the demographic breakdown of those fans? You have to think, well, it can't just be regular people, you know, of the regular population. You have to think that there are world leaders in those fans. You know, U2 has, uh, Bono has appeared at the, uh, you know, the uh, prayer breakfast uh, you know, in the United States, he, you know, he's, uh, many of his songs are, you know, written about, you know, have, uh, you know, spiritual undertones, uh, undertones to them, mm-hmm. messages very strong, you know, they inspire, uh, activists and things like that. So their music is safe to say, you know, we don't have any specific examples of that, you know, yet, but we have had a, uh, ongoing experiment with, you know, President Obama uh, whether or not live music has impacted world events by President Obama going to a uh, you know any type of concert and allowing that concert experience for him to you know work through things emotionally or whatever or maybe how does that concert experience and did he respond to impact? you I'm just curious no President Obama has not gotten back to me yet I've sent a couple messages uh, to to them you know uh, in a couple different ways. Um, but I'm super curious, and I know on some level, you know, that uh, I don't know if President Obama, I know President Obama is a big uh, Motown and hip-hop fan, but I don't know his connection or his, you know, interest in U2. But I know that there are other world leaders that have U2 in their iPods, you know, in their playlists, their CD players, things like that. So it's safe to say that these world leaders are going to see U2 live. So I'm wondering how those U2 concerts changing the course of world history, you know? That's stretching it a little bit. You got to think like that. You, you have to look at things in the bigger picture, you know? Maybe we're on the verge of, you know, a world war, you know, or maybe we're, you know, little things, uh, you know. So you're proposing that music can, live music. Yes. Can change the course of history. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I, I think that live music uh, is doing that, and, and, uh, and I want to know how U2 is, has changed the course of history psychologically, emotionally for world leaders who have seen U2 live. You know, did they go to the show with some doubt, with some indecision, and during you know, uh, a great epiphany during seeing U2 live, did that world leader all of a sudden go, hey, I have clarity, or hey, I, have, I know what I need to do, or I'm going to make this decision, or I need to do such and such because you know I was able to have that emotional clarity during a U2 concert so absolutely you know but anyways that's the whole cross-pollination thing so we got a bunch of stories here for you guys and we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and dive into it right now we got some some interesting facts uh, and we'll have all links to this so you can go to livefixblog.com for this post and we're gonna have all the links you know to the wikis to uh, you know some great fan sites that uh, have reached out to us and given us some background information on the on the claw, but it's again it's no understatement to to say that the U2 claw has changed the course of concert going history, and we'll we'll back that statement up with our interview with uh, Tom Eggert from Enterpack. Uh, he tells us he's the energy you know engineer with that, but let's uh, let's dive right into uh, to just how big this U2 360 tour was. So let's start right at the top. Um, you were talking about this before we started the show, you know, about what, uh, you know, who who named U2, you know, uh, the uh, recent, you know, biggest band ever, you know, to to, to play, you know, to the uh, most successful tour. So um, let's see here. What else? Uh so who lost who, my left spot here? But what? Who, you, so who designated them as this, and and how did they decide that? I mean, you know, there's so I, many bands out there, and I mean to be honest, I I, I don't know that I would have picked you two, but based on what we talked earlier, if they have some political ties, some religious ties, um, you know that that definitely could could make them a a grand scale, bigger band than you know some of the other bands out there that are just touring. Yeah, I think it was NME. Uh, the uh, br- uh, British uh, English um, magazine that that named them, and, and we'll have to look up and see. I don't know quite off right offhand who was that, but uh, but in any case, um, the the impact of the of the tour claw here's here's where the tour claw comes in. Your U two set records for attendance and for gross revenue for uh, this you you know for the three during the three sixty tour. No no band in history has ever made this much money during during a tour or brought more people into the into venues because when a venue is set up when a concert stage is set up in most cases in a in a big stadium like they have they have to cut they have to partition off uh, partition off a, a part of the stage or part of the concert or the uh, seats in that stadium the U2 claw as the the band has has uh, described it they wanted to play in the palm of the audience so you know imagine the palm of your hand you you know the audience obviously is the whole thing there and uh the u2 the the claw enabled 25 percent more fans to see the show to get in put you know fans in the seats so without the claw they would not have made that uh you know broken those records so pretty pretty interesting so the next thing that uh that you know so boom check off you know most most people to ever uh attend a that's huge attend a show yeah so the next thing is that this u2 claw was it's it's an amazing you know an amazing structure meaning that 
the last structure to um, uh, to be built in this way was actually the Rolling Stones. So this steel structure, uh, the the claw was 167 feet high. So that structure doubled the size of the stadium set for the Rolling Stones a Bigger Bang tour, which I don't know if you had any of you guys listening here had a chance to see that tour, but they had a big, tall, um, kind of um, house, multi-tier structure that Mick Jagger and the band was, you know, playing in and all these types of things. So the U2 Claw at 167 feet was double the size of that. So there's no, Mick Jagger has nothing on Bono, basically, so... That was kind of, I think Bono was sending a message probably to to Mick Jagger. I, I don't know. I just made that up. But in any case, so this this claw. Uh, what else here? Yeah, it's just, it, it's just it's just amazing because the the daily production costs for for the tour each each day mm-hmm. just one day. Guess how much? I don't know. Hundred thousand. No. Seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Oh, that's just to keep the just to keep the tour going. Wow. So, very. I mean, th- this is just blowing away anything else that uh, you know that has been done. You know, in in uh, in history, and it just goes on and on and on with all these um, you know, these things that go on. And one of the other interesting things about the claw, you know, about or about the three sixty tour, was that. You know, and you know when you go to see U2, they're a type of band that they sound very similar to how they sound on album. So they're not the type of band that you know you're expecting it to sound different, or they're going to take changes. They're a very uh, precise band, and if you watch some of their and documentaries, they're loud too. Because I I clearly remember loud. when they were in Chicago, yeah, and. They were playing at Soldier Field. Oh yeah, and we were. We yeah. were yeah, we were at Reggie's. We were at Reggie's coming, coming out of Reggie's Chicago. on the south side. Um, we were at a different uh, venue, and we could hear clearly the songs. I mean, that's halfway. I mean, that's like across the city. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they've got a really good. That that night was actually the first. Yeah, it's, it, good thing you bring that up because that was actually the first round of the in two thousand nine. We were coming out of Reggie's, and it was that Sunday night. And that was the first stop in Chicago on the 360 tour. Wow. And it was loud. Yeah, I mean it's big. I mean it's you too. They're they're bigger. I mean they're piped during the during the uh, the show. They piped in things from uh, you know from space stations that played on the um, on the show or uh, on the big tall video screens. Um, and we we recently actually came across one of my favorite infographics on uh, the U tour. You you know on this whole claw thing. And it just has this amazing breakdown of all the different details and facts about the claw. So we're going to have a link to that on uh, on the show notes, and you guys should really check that out because it's. So they actually connected with a space station. Yeah. During the during show. the show, yeah, like for example, there uh, during the 2010 tour, their set list was comprised of previously unreleased and un non songs they had not performed before. Which is one of them is my blue my blue room, and they had my blue room being played by an astronaut in space, a uh, space station, and they piped it in. So all of a sudden the fans, you know, they come out of a familiar song and they're like, "Wow, this is wow!" Uh, that takes Skype to like a new level. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah, yeah, yeah, good, good, <laughs> good, uh, good point. Yeah, Skype, definitely. Uh, so YouTube is huge, you know, and and I'm I'm a little bit in 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 awe of this whole this whole thing. You know, the more in preparing for the show, I just really was kind of amazed. Like, what started are, appreciating them more. Yeah, yeah, you know, because I. Um, I felt that you way know, when we not did that this I didn't interview. appreciate them before, but I think it's it's just uh, you know it's always you don't really understand a band until you you get to know their story and you get to know just exactly what they're doing and if they you, you know the ubiquity you know of how, just YouTube is like everywhere and I think sometimes for me when I see a band like everywhere you, you kind of get tired of them and you kind of start to underappreciate them a little bit and you start to lose a little bit of you know, the essence of what they're doing because you associate the brand and you associate, you know, just, it's like seeing them everywhere. They're like billboards and everything. You're like, okay, okay, okay. You know, and it's like you're inund- inundated with it. And you, don't, you don't get to choose to get to know them. You're almost forced to get to know them. I don't like doing that with the band. So that's all changed though. I, I think in, in preparing for the show and talking with fans, fans always, always show me the light. You know, they always show me how to, you know, see a band differently because you, you can never get you know, you know you you can't get any better than a fan telling you how a band changed their life so pretty uh pretty amazing stuff with uh with that so yeah check out the you guys are definitely want to check out these uh the, these facts you know and, and you know if you're a youtube fan and you're listening to this and you know if i'm getting some of this stuff wrong or you want to add on to the story by all means, you know, give us, uh, send us an email, uh, you know, send us at uh, Twitter at uh, uh, Live Fix Media. That's our Twitter handle on there. Or go to our Facebook page at um, Facebook.com slash Live Fix and just post up, you know, a, a link, a thought, you know, about your YouTube experiences because I want to make sure we're getting this right. I don't, you know, I, I really want to make sure that, uh, you know, the fans are represented because there's tons of excellent YouTube fan sites out there that um like for example we have where are we they have uh u2 interference uh inter, inter, com is a u2 fans pop culture and they just have uh tons of great little daily posts about u2 i mean they really dive into it so in preparing for the show i looked at them and a whole bunch of other uh sites that we'll have links to so you know, if you're a YouTube fan, you're looking for places to hang out, share concert experiences, definitely want to check out the show notes, and we'll have uh, some more info on that. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is this is just a big show, and uh, we're, we're plugging right along with that. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of wish YouTube was, you know, I, I actually heard news today or lately that I was reading some, some Twitter notes or, you know, some blog feeds about YouTube going on hiatus. Retiring or just going no, on no hiatus? No, hiatus. Uh, hiatus. Sure. You know? I don't know. Maybe they'll be doing more producing. Well, for, they, need, know, they the need a little break. I don't know. I don't know. Every good band needs a good break. Yeah. And, and that may be what's going on with them. I mean, it's, it's not healthy to push yourself every year to the extremes that they do. And, and when, you know, you've recently been injured at a, at a show, I mean, you have to start, start taking it easy and taking a break. So that may be a good thing for them. Yeah, and when you're day in and day out, since 2009, they've been on this constant tour, and you have to think, well, how do they sustain that? How do they sustain the energy? Because it's not just like you're going to, uh, you know, it's it's a different type of work. 
you know i i think in in looking at the show and you know we actually we watched the uh we'll talk about this later in the next you know later in the show but we watched the new uh from uh from the sky down is the new documentary and just in watching that you i'm just you know thinking more and you know amazed at how day in and day out the the energy level that's that's necessary you know for um you know for this type of tour this type of band all those people are demanding something from you you know and you have to give and it's three guys giving out to you know 50,000 70,000 people i mean there's you know from a physical physiological energy perspective like there's a you know there's a deficiency with that yeah they have instruments and they have speakers and things like that but it's it's got to be exhausting you know to uh to do that so just some random thoughts that uh that we've been thinking about so we're going to uh share a little uh you know some more stuff here uh, but also probably really energizing what do you mean you know very energized well i was recently watching a um show a, a woman was interviewing kiss hmm. and kiss was this you gene know, simmons it wasn't gene simmons it was the lead singer kiss Oh. So, lead singer and Gene Simmons was there too, and oh. they were, it was the whole band basically. And, and, mm-hmm. and the reporter had asked, you know, how do you keep this up? How do you keep the energy level up? And um, she, you know, they basically responded, it, you, you get high off of singing, you get high off of being that artist, and then, you know, you, you're up late because of the excitement and all the crowds, and then, you know, you, you sleep in, and, and your, so your hours get screwed up. But, he had alluded to that there's an energy that you get that just that drives you, that keeps like a drug. you going. Is it a drug? Kind of, yeah. It's a drug. I mean, yeah, there has like to be something pop- kind of adrenaline that would keep that, that keeps them going. So that may be the same experience for you too. Yeah. Is you just you just get this like reward? You know, Is it some type reward. of reward? In possibly, the brain? possibly. Yeah. I mean, it could be something that you know. But I think that's for anyone that has some exciting going on in their lives. It is hard to rest. It is hard because you are so you are almost. Um, spurred on from that, inspired from that, and and it can keep you up and keep you engaged and keep you energized. Um, and so I think for that for artists, the fans really do that for them. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we were just watching the other day. Uh, Lady Gaga said that touring is lonely, and that her fans become her family while on tour, hmm. which is a whole nother. I think it's a whole other show we got to do about that. You know, have uh, some uh, little monsters talk about that but uh interesting great stuff so uh awesome to explore you too and uh now what we're going to do is uh we're going to share with you an interview we did with uh, tom eggert he's the engineer at enterpack and he was the uh, engineer one of the engineers on the team that designed the u2 360 claw so awesome stuff from tom uh here's this you know we'll share this interview with you guys and then when we come back we'll get into uh some more inform, you know, some more details, storytelling, right? He likes everybody loves stories, right? Especially YouTube stories about. Uh, and this is like a rare interview, because this is this is one of the only ones that he's done so far. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I was extremely excited to talk to him and and get some um, just feedback on what he thought about um, the claw and his experience. And he was actually at the live show in Chicago. Yeah. Soldier's Field. So, yeah, he has some really interesting perspectives because I actually, you know, I, I approach these interviews as, you know, in, in different mindsets and I always learn something new 
about how people experience shows. And I kind of had a moment where, you know, I asked him a question that was more right brain versus left brain. And he's an engineer. So it was interesting to have him, you know, answer it. And, you know, he kind of asked me, you know, um, you know, I don't really think like that necessarily, but he really showed me how, you know, he's an engineer, but he's a concert fan. So it was, it was awesome to have him talk about the U2 show with both, you know, uh, through the, through the double lens of a concert fan and an engineer, someone who had a very intimate connection to the comp to the stage on which U2 was playing. So I've never talked to anybody before like that, you know, that had that perspective. So very, very cool. Uh, great, great, great chat with Tom. Here it is. And when we come back, we'll get into the uh, U2 documentary, uh, brand new, David Guggenheim, uh, from the sky down. Tom, uh, thank you very much for uh, for joining us, and I uh, just wanted to you know start out by having you kind of tell you a little bit about your background and you know, how you got started, uh, you know, with uh, engineering, and then how you got connected to uh, to Interpac and and the uh, the, the 360 uh, tour clock. Okay. Well, uh, I started uh, started with Interpac about 15 years ago, and uh, kind of worked on a variety of projects and different roles within the business. Uh, within customer service and marketing and, and ultimately now in engineering. Um, and uh, our involvement with the uh, with the U2 stage is, is part of our division that we call Integrated Solutions. And that's where we take uh, you know, specific applications for customers outside of our normal catalog of products. Um, we come up with engineered solutions that, that fit exactly what uh, what our customers are looking to do. And that typically revolves around the construction industry, infrastructure, building stadiums, uh, things like that. So uh, so that's, that's a division that... Uh, uh, that was uh, that was working with Stageco and with you two on the stage. Uh, I've talked to some fans that have been up close to the claw. You know, there was a, uh, a part of the way it des- you know is designed that allowed for fans to be you know in the spot where you know Urbano was running around, and you know, uh, and I've talked to fans who were all the way up in the far corners of Soldier Field, you know, and just kind of got both perspectives. You know, what uh, you know, and obviously you're you know you're a live music fan, and you know you've uh, probably been a lot, been a lot of shows, and what, from a fan perspective, how, you know, how did that influence, you know, how you guys, you know, how you approached it, you know, as an engineer, did you, you know, what, what was that like for you? Um, it was, uh, you know, it was interesting. I, you know, I am a big music fan. Um, I was, uh, it was kind of a thrill to be able to go down to Soldier Field prior to the show and, and kind of see the, the behind the scenes stuff. Um, it really, you know, kind of the, the support really gave me kind of a, a different insight into what it takes to put on a show like this. Um, you know, you see that, you see the tour schedule and you see them doing dates, you know, one after another, after another, and you don't realize that, you know, this, you know, this stage actually takes almost a week from the time that it arrives, uh, to the time that, uh, you know, they, they put it up, do the show and tear it down. So it was kind of a, kind of an eye-opening experience. Um, you know, 
there's not a lot of shows that uh, that you can see out there like U2 where they put on a spectacle in a stadium, um, you know, shows in arenas, indoor venues, and things like that are are probably a lot simpler to put up. Um, but the uh, the engineering required to uh, to erect this stage, put it into place, you know, without bringing in big cranes and and heavy equipment and everything was uh, was uh, was a pretty cool challenge, and uh, it was really interesting to see how that all came together. Uh, I actually did go to uh, the show in Soldier Field. Um, unfortunately, I had to pay for my tickets. I'm not sure how that. Uh, oh, really? How, yeah. What? They made yeah. you pay for the tickets? Seriously? Yeah. Can you believe that? Can you oh, believe that? Oh, uh, jeez. Yeah, and and you know, uh, I was one of those guys. I think. I was talking to my wife today to try to remember. I think we weren't in the back row of Soldier Field, but we were maybe second or third from the back. And it was, st- and it was still a great experience. I mean, it was still, you know, seeing this stage, um, you know, it was it was still pretty amazing. You know, the big spire coming up. And, and, and at that level, you know, you can kind of see out of the stadium and see, you know, see part of the Chicago skyline and – um, really neat experience uh, doing that. Um, I I might have preferred to be down in the front row, but um, you know that's okay too. Were you Were you nervous at all um, as to what could happen to the claw? Like, did you feel like it was sort of your baby? Is that something that you worked on? Um, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's always uh, you know, there's always concerns. Um, sure. but you know, we take a lot of time during you know during the engineering phase to put in a lot of redundancy and safety um so you know the uh, the erection of the stage there's the the biggest concern that i always had was that you know they're going to get uh, they're going to get this stage halfway up and you know one little component needs to be replaced mm-hmm. it's it's not a not necessarily a safety issue it's more of just an inconvenience um you know and that's why you know having spare parts on hand and having people locally who could, you know, who could react, you know, while they're, uh, you know, something happens while they're while they're erecting the stage. To have somebody there who can drive over, pick up some parts, get something repaired, get something replaced, you know, that's, you know, that was real important to us. And, and honestly, it's important to us on every job, um, you know, whether it's a, a high-profile job like this or, you know, just any other construction site that we're on. You know, we uh, we try to focus on the after the sale service and making sure that after our systems are delivered, you know, we're there to, uh, you know, to, uh, to keep everything up and running no matter what. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, interesting that, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, if you, I mean, you've probably, you know, you, you've gone to other shows, uh, you know, experience that we haven't worked on the, you know, on the stage or, you know, have a, you know, an emotional, you know, attachment, uh, to, to the stage structure uh, what, what's that, how are those experiences different than, you know, when you, you know, you have, a, you know, a lot of time, energy, you know, put into, uh, into a show like that? What, uh, you know, what's, what are some of the differences that you've, that you've noticed, you know, going to a show where you, you know, like the U2 concert versus some other show that you're just a fan, you know, of the band and you have, health. there were, there were multiples made. I think there were about five, uh, the, duplicates made. Is that correct? There were, there were three. Three. Okay. Yeah. Yep, were yep. they all made uh, in, like in the same way? And, and I know some of, you know some of them were being placed at, in different places. Kind of you know they're thinking about selling them off and to, you know as their own separate amphitheater kind of thing. And you know what uh, 
And what uh, what did you guys do with you know creating multiple ones? Well, a show. I mean, you two was recently you know voted as the top you know touring band. Uh, and from dollar wise, the tour broke records. But just overall, you know, uh, I think it was Q Magazine or something like that. You know, uh, declared them the you know the biggest most successful bands you know ever to to see live you know with yeah. with that uh you know how do you do you see the you know something like the claw you know as you know a big uh you know kind of a game changer in how concerts are done or you know how stage structures are and you know do you i mean do you think this you know this will open up you know other other creative you know ways to put on a show right is this the future right is this, I, yeah i mean yeah exactly you know, I, I I think so, but I but I think you've also got to look at and you've got to look at, at of all the touring bands that are out there, you know, who puts on a show of this size? You know, there aren't many bands out there, and I you know I can't name them. I mean, you know, U two is obviously you know the one of the biggest touring bands out there, and like you said, they break records and they get lots of acclaim, and then it's a pretty big step down. To, you know, to the next group of artists that, that might be out there putting on shows in stadiums, world tours like this. Um, so I definitely, you know, I, I think, I think they've always kind of been trendsetters in, in that, uh, in that aspect and putting on these big shows. So yeah, I, I definitely think, you know, the, the, the layout of the stage and the, and the format of it and everything. For other bands who want to compete and who want to put on that spectacle, they're going to have to go into that direction and come up with something unique, something that, that something that you've never seen before. You know that that's what it's, in my opinion, that's what it's really about, and that's what's going to draw people to come to a show. Is that you know, if, if I go to a show and you're just going to stand on stage and you're going to flash some lights and a little bit of pyrotechnics and you know whatever, uh, you know. If I like that band, I'll go. But you know, otherwise, what you know, what draws me to it? Um, my guess is that you know, a lot of people would go out to the U2 show because of the reputation for the live show and the spectacle and and what they're going to see and and the entertainment value, whether they're huge fans or not. So, I definitely think other bands and other groups can, you know, should be looking at at you know what are they doing. Um, a lot of them probably can't afford it. You know, because it's it's not inexpensive to put on these big stadium tours and everything, but you know, on a smaller scale, they probably need to. Yeah, I think they're going to be looking at similar uh, similar layouts and similar stage constructions and 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 things like that. Yeah, it's uh, you know, I was thinking about that too. When you know, you were talking about you know, it, it's it's expensive, you know, and obviously a lot of the you know ticket cost to go see U two show does allow them to put on a show like that. Um, you know, I was wondering what you thought about. Um, you know, doing something like this, you know, at a smaller venue, I, I assume you, uh, you know, as a music fan, um, you know, you've been to smaller clubs and, and I'm wondering if you've ever thought of, you know, how engineering can, you know, something like, like what you've done with the claw can be scaled down and how engineering can, you know, you can bring that YouTube claw experience to a smaller venue and do it, you know, where it is economically feasible or, at least use engineering, you know, on a smaller scale where it is cost effective for a venue or a band to do that. You know, have you ever had thoughts like that before? Or, you know, do you think that's something that, you know, engineering can, 
the something like the claw can be done, you know, at a smaller venue that's that's doable. I I, I think so, uh, and I mean, you know, it's uh, it's probably a lot easier to do it indoors. You know, you've got a structure that you can hang a screen from, and you know, you don't have to have all of the uh, all the support structure. Um, but uh, you know, to have to have a unique stage structure, I think would be uh, you know would be something that would definitely draw people to uh, you know would draw more people to a show. Even if you think of a concert in the round and you're in a you're in an arena and the stage is in the middle and yeah you know you can seat people all the way around but it's always kind of the same setup isn't it you know there's a stage there's lights from the top sound system you know coming down from the ceiling you know great why not you know come up with something where you can have structures like the claw out in the audience um, it's compact they can ship it from place to place they can set it up fairly easily. Um, you know, it would definitely add to the concert experience to have things like that, um, whether it's at the stage, interspersed with the crowd, you know, something to just kind of, you know, broaden the, uh, broaden the visual experience of the show. Because, you know, again, at, at the end of the day, you're going to go to a show to see a band that you like, right? But, you know, what's going to prompt you to, to spend maybe a little bit extra money, you know, justify spending 50, 60, 70, 100 dollars, you know, to go see that band. You you know, you you've got a lot of choices out there. Do something with the spectacle, do something with the stage, make it more appealing. I you know, I definitely think that there can be some uh, you know, some lessons learned from this to uh, you know, from what U2 has done and other bands have done to say you know, hey, make this a make this a more of a more of an experience for the for the concert goer. Yeah, that's interesting to to think about too. And uh, you know, as I was uh, preparing for our our chat here, I was wondering, you know, I'm I'm not an engineer, you know, and I go to a show, you know, in a completely different way than than you would. You know, I look at a concert and, and see different things than you know than you would, and also you know feel different things, you know, as far as thoughts and emotions, things like that. And and I'm wondering. For you, how do you know how do you know the emotional experience that you have at a show? You know how does that connect to you know the engineering work that you do? You know on the claw or you know other other projects. Like how does that? How, how do the, you know the emotions and the the, the work that you do? Like how do those connect for you during the show or maybe thinking at you know thinking about your experience after the show or things like that. Did you guys listen to like a bunch of YouTube uh, <laughs> records while you're making it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you got to have, you got to have the right, uh, what the right inspiration, the right motivation when you're there, um, you know, going to shows, um, you know, and I've, I've, I've been to a fair number of concerts and, and, you know, and I enjoy it. Um, you know, again, yeah, my brain can be drawn to, you know, the lighting rigs and the soundboard and kind of looking at, at some of the behind the scenes stuff. But, you know, once, you know, once the band kicks in and, and there's, you know, and there's a band that, you know, that you really like, you're really into and, and, you know, they start playing your favorite song. It's kind of the same as anybody else. You know, I'm, you know, my fist is in the air and I'm cheering along and singing along and, you know, and it's a, uh, it's a fun time. It's uh you know, it's uh you know, it's kind of a great group experience. It's, uh, um, you know, a little bit of an emotional release, and, and it's a good time. Mm-hmm. What are, what are some, you know, obviously we've been talking a bunch about, you know, you 2 and everything. What are what are some of your other favorite, you know, concert experiences that uh, that you've had? 
Well, um, you know, I'm, you know, my, uh, I kind of a child of the eighties. So I grew up on a lot of like the hard rock bands. One of my favorite bands is kiss. They always put on a great show. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've been to see them a number of times. Um, been to, got to see the Rolling Stones probably, I don't know, it had to be at least, it was 95, 96, 97, somewhere in there, uh, at Camp Randall Stadium in, in Madison. And, and that was, you know, that was another big stadium experience that was, that was really cool. Um, but, uh, you know, whether it's a big stadium or a small little club, um, or an arena or anything, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, a lot of fun just to, just to see those bands and, and, uh, um, and, and, you know, just kind of, like I said, share that emotional experience with the crowd, you know, and the lights go down and, you know, people start cheering and everything. Um, you know, there's no better feeling. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, it, it, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, uh, something we, you know, we love, uh, exploring here, you know, on, uh, on the podcast and just, you know, swapping, swapping stories and everything like that. Uh, so we recently in the, uh, we, we put out a post, you know, about, uh, the claw and there was an infographic that had some really interesting stats, you know, on that. Uh, what, what are some things that maybe people would know, you know, about the claw that, uh, you know, are very important or would, you know, kind of, you know, amaze people or, you know, put some more context to, did anyone break the show, their their you know? finger in the making or any any uh, behind the scenes stories? Right. right. Are there oh. any you know blood stains on the claw or you know flesh that maybe got into it because it was just you know did that or what? What are some interesting facts about the claw that maybe people don't know about? Boy, I don't know. Um, you know, like I said, I mean one of one of the one of the things that you know I, I don't know if it was on there or not, but like I talked about the fact that they actually built three completely identical stages and. You know, the fact that it takes that period of time to, you know, unload it from the truck, erect it, put on the show, tear it down, pack it up for the next show. Um, you know, you, you, you know, I think about how other bands would do this and, you know, just, you know, to keep up that schedule, um, literally building three, I mean, and it's not just the claw. I mean, it's, it's all of the equipment. There are, you know, there are three identical you know, sets of, of everything other than the band. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, that's pretty amazing, uh, in my mind. Um, any, you know, boy, any war stories, you know, not really, um, being able to, uh, to go see the, uh, go see the setup in Chicago, um, before their first show, um, you know, uh, you know, it was really a, a cool experience for me. Um, you know, we had, uh, had a lot of, uh, a lot of fun time with the, uh, with the guys from Stageco. Um, you know, being able to, uh, to train them on the system, make sure everything was running right. Um, kind of showed us around, let us, uh, let us stand on the stage before it was all up and running. So, you know, so that was a neat experience. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, overall just, uh, you know, just really cool to be a part of and, and to talk about, you know, it's, uh, it's something that, you know, I can talk about with, uh, you know, with friends who, uh, you know, who don't really, normally we end up talking a lot about work, but when they hear that you were involved even in a small way with this show, it's like, oh, tell me about it. So it's, uh, it's kind of fun to talk about. Imagine her man 
200 miles up. Looking down on our crowded planet. Looking down the cities made the web of lights. And the world seems strangely quiet, free of conflict. What would the man, what would that man have to say to us? Hello, Chicago. Chicago, the International Space Station. What could possibly be on this man's mind 200 miles over Chicago? What might he have to say to us? It was uh, it's good chat with Tom. Hope we can have him back on the show again. I know that uh, we got to talk. We got to talk to more engineers on our show. You know, I think we uh, we got to find a way to get uh, some more more people who make the stages that uh, all these shows go on. Yeah, he know? definitely changed the way I looked at the claw and and different um, mechanical you know things that you see at shows. Mm-hmm. You know, the screen, the big screens, the stage setups. I mean, I'm definitely going to look at that stuff different the next uh, big music festival I go to or stage performance I go to. Yeah, yeah, I really want to see, you know, what he was doing and, you know, the engineering be brought to a smaller scale because you can only do something like this U2 scale, bigger than life kind of thing, you know, for one band, you know, and I think there's there's a lot more you could do engineering-wise to make it... uh, Something you know, interesting for uh, for fans, you know, on uh, smaller scale, smaller venues. A lot of fans are going to smaller venues uh, these days, so definitely some uh, things to explore. Uh, always great to chat with uh, the folks that are behind the scenes on these types of things. So let's uh, let's get into uh, a couple more things. Um, tell a little bit more stories. You know, we've been talking about the uh, impact of U2 360 tour, but uh, you know, U2 did not just uh, get to this you know to this spot just by magic you know they uh they started out they were fans uh at one point as well uh we were watching a uh, documentary about uh, joe strummer uh, from the clash and during that uh that uh that documentary there was a point where he was um uh bono was talking about uh, his his you know moment at a clash concert and uh, he didn't say if it was his very first show but it was at least one. And this of, was in Dublin. Yes, this is in Ireland. Dublin. So wow. this is you know this has happened. We we've uh, explored this before. The um, pivotal shows, you know, like for example, when the bands, uh, you know, the Sex Pistols were playing in uh, in the early seventies. There were, you know, the um, big uh, big bands that were that were there at that show that spawned other bands. So you two went to a Clash concert. or Bono went to a Clash concert, he experienced it as a fan. He had that unforgettable, you know, moment and, you know, just, you know, he walked away from that that show going, that's what I want to do. And that's what he said in this this, uh, documentary about Joe Strummer, you know, and talking about how people who have been inspired by the Clash, Bono was inspired by going to one of their live shows. So, And if you watch the documentary, I mean, he was really, he didn't really know how... He loved music from an early age, but didn't know how to get that out there. Mm-hmm. And he really struggled with that. And it talks about how he started playing the piano at his grandmother's house. 
Right. And and how that inspired him and how he realized... Well, that's in know, the... Yeah. It, it was, it's in the documentary. Yeah. Well, there's the the, the one I was just talking about. was the Joe, Joe Strummer one. Mm-hmm. But the, the, from the From the Sky Down is the is the one that has that little piano thing in there and it's it all kind of blends together i think it's that's what's interesting about watching all these documentaries is that um you know bono really didn't mention the clash in this in this new one because this new one this from the sky below you know mentions the uh more of his artistic development you know it goes into bono's brain and um very very interesting to see how how all that you know, goes together. It appears to me that they continue to play, you know, based on watching this documentary, solely on improving their artistic abilities, musical abilities. Right. Not because of the money they're I mean, I'm sure the money's great, but it's not, just hearing the interviews that they're giving, it sounds like they're really in it for pushing the boundaries with music. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's... You know, even I was wondering why, because in the beginning of this, uh, it's a documentary called uh, From the Sky Down, and it just came out. Uh, it was done by David Guggenheim, made in less than seven months, and it was basically a documentary that looks at uh, U2. They have recently went in and they were reexamining Octung Baby, a very one of their most pivotal, the pivotal album of in their career, where they went, you know, from, you know, just stylistically, they they basically cleared the palette. And uh, cleared the canvas and just made you know a different um, different sound. And this movie, this documentary, kind of chronicles that creative process, tells a story. And uh, the beginning is really interesting because I think it's um, it's cool that they actually start this documentary with them backstage, and they're all you know all the members are embracing each other, and Bono's kind of leading that. You know, he's the emotional. Obviously, the emotional leader. It seems like you know, with with the band, um, you know, at least the most vocal one. But you just see him kind of, you know, he gives a hug to um, to each of the band members, and you know, they embrace. And then they're actually at Glastonbury, playing for the first time, and they're playing songs that have been re uh, you know, revisited from Octone Baby for this new uh, Glastonbury crowd in 2010. So kind of kind of interesting and it, it just un, you know it unfolds and it's all the whole documentary is really told through the course of uh you know using their you know their touring and, and what the band learned on tour during you know eight, 1988 during rattle and hum from joshua tree and all these types of things some inter- interesting things i mean they, they failed a lot you know they kind of laughed at themselves along the way and learned a lot and then they took all those tour touring experiences and they moved them into the recording studio for Octone Baby. You know, it's kind of, you know, we always, we always kind of wondered, you know, what uh, the, um, who is the, uh, how, how touring impacts the studio, you know, and vice versa, how the bands, how the bands do that, you know. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's a, it's a great documentary. It just recently came out, and, uh, you know, if you're a U2 fan, you know, I think you're, you're definitely going to enjoy it. It is a little bit of an awkward movie because, and I say that only because everything I've seen from U2, you know, very polished, very produced, you know, and, you know, perfection is always something that they have made a, a natural part of, their performances, their albums, you know, things like that. 
and it's it's kind of hard to watch this documentary the you know the first part of it and throughout it you you're watching them kind of struggle you know and you're watching Bono kind of direct the bands and the rest of the band and, and see them at least I haven't seen that that side of them you 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 know you don't see that polished side you're seeing a very you, you get know, to, you get to see the struggle the vulnerable yeah there's the behind the stage struggle that I don't think that it appears they almost always appeared to make music look so easy and make performing look easy. But in this documentary, there's a really raw piece to the struggles that they, they have had in, in the past. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's definitely one you want to check out. Uh, you know, it's going to be played on, I believe it's uh, starting on Showtime. And, and, you know, there's some other, I don't think it, it didn't have a theatrical release yet, but it started out at the Toronto International Film Festival, which is the first time that... Uh, this documentary was the very first documentary to actually be the first movie to be played at a festival that was a documentary, not a feature film. And it's the first non-Canadian movie to debut, to be the first movie to be played at the Toronto Film Festival. So, you 2 larger than life, you know, it, it, it continues. You know, they're, they continue to to be these first, you know, doing these first things. So, but uh, you should, you should definitely check it out, you know, and we'd love to hear what you guys think about it. And, you know, if you're at any of these shows, um, that they highlight on a tour, you know, during uh, rattle and hum, there's just some interesting little behind the scenes things and just interactions with the tour that they have. So if you guys were, you know, in, in any of these shows or in the crowds, we'd love to hear, you know, different, uh, different experiences. Be great to, get some of those stories and they'll share them with everybody else uh, with that. So, but, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're nearing the end here of our, of our show. Uh, and it's, you know, it's been, it's been, uh, been epic. Uh, you know, Colin, you, you, you have a, you have the epic, you know, look on your face right now. I'm in awe. I mean, it's, you know, I'm definitely in awe and it's, um, it's a great band to revisit for me and to re-experience, maybe experience the first time some of their stuff. So I encourage all the the viewers out there, even if you're fans or not fans to, to grab a CD, check out a CD. Oh yeah. You're so you're suggesting people to go, wow. Wow. Or you could, you could listen to them on iTunes because there are some people that are not YouTube fans out there. Really? That's hard to believe. Where are they? But there are people who who are not YouTube fans yet. Well, I'm I'm a believer, you know, just like the monkey said. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm I'm one over, you know, by uh, by YouTube. So it's uh it's been great, and we will uh, talk to you guys later. You know, go uh, check us out. So if you're listening to this, speaking of iTunes, glad you bring that up, Colleen. If you're listening to this in iTunes. Be uh be be a fan, you know, and uh, rate us. Isn't this you know? our twentieth episode? Oh, it is. It, it is. is okay. Yeah, it's number twenty. So this is number twenty. So if this is the first time you're listening to us because you love you too and you just want to check out what this yeah. station's all or I shouldn't say station's podcast is all about. It's a station. Okay, station yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, you go back and look at some of those those older episodes because I think we've really covered some some great stuff and you you kind of hear our intros and why we're doing this and our histories and our backgrounds and um, and there's just some great there's some great shows so check it, check us out yeah a lot of fan stories I mean basically you know again if, you, if this is the first time you're listening to us uh, thank you very much for listening we uh, we appreciate 
uh, you lending your ear and your heart to uh, to us for uh, for the show. And uh, you know, definitely go back and check out each episode because uh, we, we're there, there's a lot of fans out there that uh, are just like you. They're experiencing shows and they're sharing their stories. And I've always been amazed at uh, what the fans have to say and, and uh, you know what they're experiencing because you just you just can't get that all the time at the show. And when you learn about someone else's experience, you always, the show always gets better. You know, your experience, you know, your awareness gets gets better. So definitely go back, look at all the other shows, the 19 previous shows that we've been putting this out for you guys. Thanks for listening. And uh, again, follow us on Twitter at uh, Live Fix Media. And check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash live fix. Go to show notes on a blog home uh, home base at livefixblog.com we uh, appreciate you and we will see you guys later